This film is lit. The podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. Reese Witherspoon's back must be killing her because she absolutely carried this movie. It's Legally Blonde, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. On this week's episode, we're discussing Legally Blonde, the 2001 uh, romantic comedy Comedy? Yeah, yeah. I guess it's a romantic I, comedy. I'm, I, yeah, that's yeah. what it is for sure. Not a whole lot of romance, right? Not really. Thing. No. But there are. Yeah, I think it would still counts probably. So it is Legally Blonde. Uh, it's our first law movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many other ones we'll do, but uh, it is our first law movie. We have, I believe, all of our normal segments. Uh, we don't have Lost in Adaptation because I was not confused by this film. But we have all the rest of our normal segments. So we're going to start like we always do with Let Me Sum Up. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. So the plot is similar enough between the book and the movie that I'm just going to give a brief movie summary. Spoilers abound. If you haven't seen the film, this will catch you up so you kind of know. Or if you saw it a long time ago and don't remember everything. Story is about Elle Woods, who is a, a sorority girl at uh, an unnamed school in the film, uh, I believe. I don't think they I think ever it's, say it. the USC. Well, that's what it's supposed to be, but they, yeah. they remember I said in the prequel they didn't allow, allow oh, them yeah, to yeah, use yeah. that. Yeah, I, I think remember. that's what it is in the book. Um, and then they didn't, they weren't allowed to use it in the film. So it's just like an unnamed yeah. undergrad school. Uh, and she's, uh, she's a very popular, uh, rich, pretty sorority girl who's dating a guy named Warner who is getting ready to leave to go to law school. He's graduating uh, and he's going to go post-grad and do this law school thing. Uh, and she's expecting him to propose to her because they've been together for a while and she thinks they're in love and blah, blah, blah. She loves him very much. She's kind of obsessed with him. Uh, they go out to dinner. turns out he's not proposing, but in fact dumping her because she's not serious enough. He wants to be a politician one day and he thinks he needs a, a Jacqueline, Jackie Kennedy as opposed to a Marilyn Monroe is, is what he says. Uh, so he dumps her, uh, and she gets the bright idea, well, if, if he wants a serious uh, girl, then I will go to law school as well. And so she puts her mind to it and gets into Harvard because she is smart, but she's, like, got, I think her degree, her undergrad degree is, like, in fashion or something like that. Something There's along those lines. Fashion merchandising yeah. in the movie, yeah. And so, uh, but she ends up uh, doing well on her test. She gets into Harvard, uh, and her whole plan is to win back Warner. As she's there, uh, she realizes Warner's not worth her time, and she start, decides she wants to actually just become good at law itself, and so she studies and is doing well in classes. There she meets and she runs, in, runs into some other characters here and there, some students who are kind of bullies, that sort of thing, uh, and don't, you know, everybody kind of doesn't ex think she deserves to be there, and that she's, you know, they, they judge her on her appearance and, and their first impression of her, which is kind of the whole point of the whole movie. And uh, But ultimately, she proves everybody wrong. She gets this uh, uh, super, like, prestigious, prestigious internship at one of the professor's law uh, offices. He's a criminal defendant. 
uh, and she ends up working on the team that is helping defend a woman who is accused of killing her husband. And it turns out this woman is the was a, a former sorority, same member of the same sorority as uh, Reese Witherspoon, and uh, is like a trainer, an athletic trainer. Um, and Reese Witherspoon believes her and thinks she doesn't actually didn't actually kill her husband. Everybody else on the defense team kind of doesn't really buy it. Um, also, I, there's the other main kind of important character is a character named Emmett, played by Luke Wilson, who sort of becomes the love, the other love interest apart from Warner over the course of the film. Um, although I would argue there's a different, even better love interest, but we'll get there. Um, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get, I'll pitch my what I should have been the sequel later in this episode, <laughs> and you will agree. Because I've never seen the sequel, but I feel solidly that it doesn't do what I think it should have done. So uh, the, ultimately, uh, she, she she's working on the defense team, and she she kind of her in her sort of different way of looking at things in leads to her kind of being able to crack the case also her law professor who got her the internship is a creep uh and when the defendant finds out about that she fires that lawyer and hires l as her sole uh well not sole because luke wilson also has to be her her defense lawyer so luke wilson and l are now defending uh the defendant uh played by uh what's her name i can't remember but uh, i got i got in my notes sometimes somewhere and l basically cracks the case even though she's only a law student, uh, figures out who did it, uh, gets them to confess in the courtroom in a big dramatic moment, uh, and it's not and successfully defends her client. Uh, everybody's happy. We get uh, she graduates from Harvard a couple years later. I don't think I missed anything important. She graduates from from Harvard a couple years later. She's like the she's not the valedictorian, quote unquote, but she like gives a speech, uh, and we get some post credit sort of uh, you know your 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 the yearbook. Yeah, the yearbook. The um. <laughs> breakfast club clothes where it's like and then this person did this and this person did this kind of over them like smiling uh and we find out she uh gets engaged to luke wilson's character who lives happily ever after because they didn't know if they were gonna get a sequel obviously or had no plans to make a sequel at this point uh and so yeah uh she her uh her her innocence uh her positive attitude her naivete and her her pluckiness went out uh and she proves a lot of stereotypes wrong and that's that's the movie and the end yep the end so there you go <laughs> if you didn't see it that's roughly what happens or if you saw it 10 years ago and didn't remember now hopefully you've been refreshed we do have guess who so let's do it let's play the game who are you no one of consequence i must know. get used to disappointment okay all right we have a couple here <laughs> This book was interesting. Okay. We'll talk about it uh, more later. The writing was kind of up and down. Okay. Um, so I included several descriptions, some of them because I thought they were kind of funny. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. So starting out, her mousy brown hair was bobbed and cemented in place by a navy blue headband with applique daisies. She was Brooks Brothers from head to toe in a navy knee-length skirt and jacket ensemble and sensible navy heels. Um, so, I, I, the mousy brown hair, going on the movie, it's obviously not Elle, because the whole point is legally blonde, is that she's blonde, so it's obviously not Elle. 
Um, it could be, uh, it potentially could be, she has one, her one sorority sister friend in the or beginning of the movie, uh, there, she has like two main sorority sister friends. One of them is played by the actress who plays the like crazy lady in waiting. And that's the person I think it could be. Cause she has short kind of dark hair. Uh, and I think she wears a headband fairly often, but the character I think it actually is. And I don't know the char- remember the character's name is Selma Blair's character of, of Vivian. 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 Uh, it's Vivian, who is the girl, the new girl in Warner's life that he is now with when uh, Elle gets to Harvard. Um, and the Brooks Brothers make sense for her because she's also, uh, you know, comes from a very wealthy family and that sort of thing. And the the short brown hair, Bob, uh, the navy blue headband, the daisies doesn't quite make as much sense on her. But everything else about it, the knee length skirt and jacket does make sense. Uh, so I'm going to say, and the sensible navy heels, I'm going to say that that's Vivian. It is. Yes. It is that character. Her name is Sarah okay. in the book. They changed her name. Um, and she's a lot like mousier oh, okay. in the book than she is in the movie. Selma Blair is pretty. Yeah. All right, up next. The neutral of her sleeveless linen umpire dress melded almost perceptibly into her straw-colored hair. Her eyes were a keen, inquisitive aqua blue. Oh, boy. I This could be any number of characters. I'm going to assume it's not... It seems too uh, sparse to be Elle. I feel like Elle would have more, you know, as the main character in, like basically the titular character, I would mm-hmm. assume that her description will be a little more involved. So I'm going to think it's not Elle. Uh, other sh- people with straw-colored hair, I don't know what an impure dress is. It's a brand, I assume. I don't... Um, It's impure waist. It means the waist is high, oh. like directly under the bust. It could be... I don't know when somebody would wear that kind of dress. In the... I don't know what scene somebody would be wearing a dress like that in the movie that we saw. Um... Other than like when Elle is trying on dresses for her date night or whatever, but I don't think it's that. So I'm going to say whatever her blonde friend's name is from the sorority. Um, This is actually a description of Brooke. Who? The alleged murderess. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I forgot. We only ever see her in... Yeah. Okay, so so yes, we only ever see the character in like prison jumpsuits. Mm -hmm. That's not entirely true. She does actually have a dress kind of like this in the courtroom at one point. Yeah, 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 I guess she does. She has a sleeveless dress at one point, I think, in the courtroom. So maybe that, but I forgot about that because in my head, she's primarily like in Mm -hmm. a prison jumpsuit. Yeah, most of the time we see her in, in her prison orange. Um, and she's not actually in prison in the book. Like, she's on trial for murder, but she right. made bail or whatever because yeah. she's rich. Yeah. Okay. Shucks. <laughs> that would have been a dead giveaway, Brooke. though, if she Brooke, had been her name, yeah. in an orange jumpsuit. Yeah, that so. would have been very easy. <laughs> she appraised her appearance once again in the mirror and decided she needed more blush. Her long blonde hair gleamed and framed her heart-shaped face. Her flawless fair complexion was set off by huge deep blue eyes that shone with kindness, and her size two figure was poured perfectly into her red slip dress. I was correct about Elle's description being (laughs) a slightly more in-depth. That's Elle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They did make one major change. She's a size four in the film. (laughs) 
she says specifically, and I only remember because she says, well, I guess she could be a size two, but she says at one point to the trainer, she's like, you took me from a size six to a size four or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So. Now again, she could be a size yeah. two now, but whatever. Uh, gotta love that main character looking at themselves in the mirror yeah. as the prelude to their description. Classic. Yeah. It is pretty classic. Uh, my first book. Yeah. Uh, description of a character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which it may have been this person's first book. It seemed like been. it. It seemed yeah. like it from what we read yeah. in the prequel. So. All right. Moving on. His tall, blonde, and handsome good looks never failed to leave them all in a stunned silence. Well, that would be uh, Warner, I would assume. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's tall and handsome in the movie. He's a little more dirty blonde. Yeah. But he's he's blondish, yeah. Yeah. He's like blonde and tan golden boy. Yep. Her hair and eyebrows were exactly the color of uneven, burnt orange, tan in a can. She stared at the frizzy halo. Hmm. I mean, well, her eyes and hair and eyebrows are exactly the color of uneven burnt orange. Nobody has that color hair that I recall in the movie. Um, it could it it could be uh my only other thought would be who the heck would that be? Um a couple characters real quick. It could be it could be the nail salon lady, but I don't I think I remember reading this that she's not in the movie or not in the book, so I could be wrong about that. But the, the nail salon lady uh, who, um, well, she may be in the book. That one scene we'll talk about. Uh, I don't know her name. Uh, the, Paulette. Paulette. Could be her because uh, she kind of has tan in a can would kind of work for her character. She mm-hmm. doesn't have orange hair in the movie, but she has blonde hair. But like that description kind of seems like it could work for that character uh the only other person i can think of i that's the only one i don't even know who else it would be i'm gonna say paulette i don't um, know if she's in the book it's actually chutney who is chutney <laughs> oh my god it's lisa Car- it's linda cardellini's character oh I don't like, we literally had the same conversation earlier today I, I only i don't remember that being her name i only didn't pick the her because i read ahead to the last one mm. and i thought it was her <laughs> <laughs> But now I think I know who the last one is. Don't read ahead. Sorry, I read the next. I couldn't not read the next description. (laughs) And I thought, well, that makes sense for Linda Carlini's character, kind of. And so I thought it might have been her. But uh, okay, that also makes sense. That was actually one of my guesses. And I like I said, I would I didn't go with it because I saw the next one. So whoops. (laughs) Go ahead. All All right. Last one. A frizzy-haired brunette feminist with unshaved legs, a scrawny body, a unibrow, and huge, rough hands. So yeah, that, like I said, I the frizzy-haired brunette and sort of the feminist thing kind of worked for that uh, Chutney, I guess is her name, to mm-hmm. me, Linda Carlini's character in the movie. I guess not all of it so much necessarily, but anyways. So I would assume that this, uh, assuming this character is in the book... Uh, the only other character I can think that this would make sense for is the one who sh- the friend who like the friend that they forgot about in the movie that like at the end of the movie, this character acts like is like in the crowd, like applauding like they had a character arc, at, but they are like they had a moment together. But I never remember them having like a friendship. Anyways, uh, the, the, she meets her on the first day in the film when they're they're on the quad, like doing their little introduction game. And there's like the Russian speaking, the Russian guy he's not russian but he, he has a russian a degree in russian uh there's that one random physicist guy and then there's the girl who's like 
she says she has a uh, a degree in in women's studies or something like that that character i don't know the stereotypical feminist girl yes i don't think she's i don't know if she's ever given a name in the movie she's fran in the book okay but i don't recall that i put this description in there because it's so freaking mean Mm -hmm. that i felt like compelled to include it yeah it is yeah it's not it's not great yeah it's not great it's a it's not a great take um but is it so it's that character, I assume? Yeah, I mean, it's her, like, equivalent. Right. So the thing that was weird to me in the movie is that, so they start out, and she's, like, when, they introduced, when they're introduced, it's very clear that uh, her and, she doesn't seem to like Elle because she judges Elle immediately from Elle's appearance, you know, and, and doesn't, you know, doesn't see her as part of the sisterhood, quote-unquote, or whatever. Um, and, and in the movie, we, there's a scene in the library where, like, the smart kids are mean to Elle, and as she's walking out, that character, Fran, I guess we'll just call her Fran for lack of a better name, says like uh, something about her calling her a dyke or something. Mm-hmm. And Elle's like, no, I wouldn't say that or whatever. And maybe she did or something. And that's like the only scene. And and and, and you can see on the uh, Fran's face, she's like, oh, maybe I misjudged you. But then they like don't have any other scenes together. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, after Elle gives her speech, Fran... And uh, the other guy, I can't remember his name. Like I said, the guy, the kind of dweeby guy. Yeah, the like big tall guy. The big tall dweeby guy. They're like sitting together and they both like smile at her and clap. And she kind of like looks at him and smiles. And I'm like, what? Like I get it with the dude a little bit. Like they had yeah, that one scene where she a like a couple goes, other interactions. A couple other interactions. But I don't remember these other two characters. Literally, I felt like there must have been some scenes on the cutting room floor yeah, where they there forgot to been. shoot them or something. Because I was like, they did not develop a relationship between these two characters, and they're acting like they did, and it's very strange. So, okay, so I got what two, three, one, two, three. I got four. Yeah, not too bad. Four out of six. I thought I did better than I thought I did. Felt like I missed like most of them. So. <laughs> All right, that means it's time for me to ask. Was that in the book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read? So uh, I got some. I'm gonna try to hit some of the you know sort of like the popular moments in the film, uh, like the the. The things you've been posting on social media all week, mm-hmm. uh, the the things that I knew of from the film, having never yeah. seen it, the stuff recognizable from the trailer, stuff that became part of pop culture, the stuff that yeah. kind of yeah took place, it became part of the zeitgeist. We're gonna ask about mainly that kind of stuff, and a few other things. First up, uh, there's a scene in the beginning where Elle is shopping for her dress, as I mentioned, for her big date with Warner. She's in like a fancy store, Kleinfelds or what? Not Kleinfelds, but <laughs> what? <laughs> We talked about it in the prequel. I said the name of it, and now I can't remember. Um, where they're at some fancy, you know, like, L.A. boutique or wherever she goes to school. And uh, one of the, the the people working at the store sees her and, and thinks she can take advantage of her. So she tries to sell her, like, a a discounted dress for full price. Like, an old, out-of-style discounted dress for full price. And L like, goes full Sherlock on her and is like, Oh, is that the blank, blank, blank made out of this material? And the lady's like, yeah. And then she's like, oh, sewn this way with this sort of thing with this. And the lady's like, sure. And she's like, actually, that's not possible. Because if you sewed that dress that way with that material with that way, it would destroy the something. Whatever. Like, she, you know, <laughs> she like, she like, this is our little introduction to her, like, lawyering this person. Yeah. Kind of like to give us that hint that that's part of her personality. 
Um, it's a fun little scene, but it reminds me of something like it's like a Sherlock moment where she's like, I don't know. Is that is in the book? No, it's not in the book. Okay. Do we get any? Is there any sort of equivalent of uh, an inkling of her that you can remember of her sort of uh, ability to, or any inkling that she has this deep down the ability to become a lawyer? Like, do we see any of that early uh, in the book? Not really. Okay. Maybe that's a better thing in the movie then. That yeah. We kind of see the the potential mm-hmm. there. Uh, I thought this was really dumb. And I know it's a, so like, I get that like, it's a comedy, like it's a it's kind of a goofy early 2000s comedy and they have lots of silly things. But this was just, it's one of those things that just kind of takes, for me at least, kind of takes me out of the film because it's just so like, okay. And it, but not in a way that's so obvious, like so over the top that it feels intentional. It just feels like a lazy writing. I don't know. Uh, so she's she's got she's going out on her on this date with Warner, and she's fully expecting him to propose. She gets a fancy dress, and he comes to pick her up, and he like walks into the entry hall of their their giant sorority house, and all the girls are waiting there, and he like brings her flowers. And 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 takes her out, and they go to this fancy restaurant, and they're having dinner. And then he's like building up this conversation, and she's waiting. And then he goes, "We should break up." And I know that's the joke, like the that whole the build up, and then that like that's the joke. But it's so stupid, and like it's so ridiculous, and like obviously nobody would ever do anything like this. You would have to be the most obtuse person in the world. And I get that that's also kind of the point for his character. Like, I guess it kind of works, but also it's just completely ridiculous. And it kind of makes me roll my eyes because I just don't buy it at all. If that Mm -hmm. makes any sense Mm -hmm. um, compared to like other elements of the movie. Does that, is that whole situation with the breakup and the buildup all play out? Is that in the book? Yeah. It actually plays out very similarly. Okay dumb you see what i'm saying though like that's <laughs> no, just like so saying. obviously yeah. like nobody would ever behave this way like mm-hmm. you would have to be the dumbest like most ridiculous person cruel person in the world to behave this way and, it, and it's just like the fact that he's so like doesn't get it yeah he's like what oh oops sorry i guess like and i get it that like that's the point of his character but it, to me it's just kind of like lazy hackneyed writing like mm-hmm. there's no nuance to that character Mm-hmm. Like that, he's just like, oh, okay. Anyways, bye. Like, <laughs> oh, you thought I was gonna propose? No, we're breaking up. I just took you to the fanciest restaurant in town and brought you flowers <laughs> to break up with you, and like in a public place. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. Anyways, but it's in the book, so there you go. So when she decides she wants to go to Harvard, uh, which is in the movie where she where Warner's going and where she wants to go. She, uh, instead of writing an essay, they say she needs an admissions essay. She doesn't write an essay. She shoots a video essay in the film. And that's her sort of admissions essay is a video of her in bikinis and whatnot, sort of doing silly things. Is that from the book? No. Okay. (laughs) I figured that wasn't, that felt very much (laughs) not like a, like that felt like a movie thing. Like, Okay, how do we how do we turn this admissions essay? Does she write an admissions? Essay? I'm sure she does. You probably I'm sure have she to. does. I've, yeah. Yeah. So they turn that into like a fun visual thing, um, but it's yeah, it's, it's silly. It's silly, yeah. but it's fun. It, it works. Uh, so then she she gets into she gets into um, so she gets into Harvard. 
Uh, she gets there. Is it Harvard in the book or is it? Um, it's Stanford. Stanford. Okay. So she gets into Harvard in the movie uh, and she gets to the university and she's starting getting her classes and she runs into War- uh, Warner and she's talking to him and she wants to meet up with him later and they meet up and then it turns out he's already not only dating but engaged to a new girl and this is Vivian in the film or whatever her Sarah, Sarah you said yeah. in the book. Uh, is that what happens in the book? Are they, does he already have a new lady? Yes. And they are engaged? Yes. In just a few months? Yes. Wow. What a, what a jerk. Right. What a guy. (laughs) What a guy. I figured that, yeah, that makes sense. So this is one of the things I thought was kind of also kind of silly in the movie. And again, I get that it's, it's a comedy, like it's just, but, uh, she gets to Harvard, uh, law school and she's getting into her classes and stuff and every student that she runs into and this is the whole point of the movie so i get it is that they're all judging her sort of on her appearance and what they expect of her their expectations they're assuming a lot about her and but they're all jerks to her like every single student that she runs into is like a giant bully and like not only like dismissive of her and and still and like um sort of uh, just dismissive of her. They're like actively like 10 year old bullies to her. Like she, she goes to the library and she's like, Oh, can I join your study group? And they're like, duh, it's like a smart person thing. So no. And I'm like, how old are these people? <laughs> uh, is that, do they act like that in the book? Um, yeah, I've made the movie maybe amps it up like a little bit. But they're definitely not nice to her in the okay. book. Yeah, and that makes sense. Like, I, I expect that, and, and I get, like, that's the whole point. And mm-hmm. I think it's, I liked a lot about, I gotta say this now. There was a lot of elements of this movie that I thought were really good. Mm-hmm. Primarily, as I mentioned in the intro, it's Reese Witherspoon's performance. And her, not only her performance, but the writing of her character, I think. Like, mm-hmm. the way her character's written. Because it's not all her performance, but a lot of it is. Like, it definitely elevates it. A lot of the other elements in the movie I thought were pretty not great. A lot of the writing was, like, really lazy and kind of, like, hacky and terrible at I mean, times. the source material. Sure. And maybe that is maybe that is it. Maybe the it is, you know, a direct translation of the source material. But it, it just felt so, like, sophomoric and just, like cheap and easy and like just mm-hmm. lazy like so much of the script felt lazy it was very predictable obviously throughout uh, like i predicted who the killer was like immediately so upon the, now that was more the movie's fault for ca- who they cast but um kind of predicted that immediately and just kind of like every little twist and turn was like you know not even twist and turn just kind of every plot point was very predictable which is fine i don't need it to be like a <laughs> i don't need to be surprised when i'm watching a, a romantic comedy necessarily but it's just, you know, I thought a lot of the dialogue and scenes here and there were just like really like late. Like one scene in particular that really rubbed me the wrong way was the uh, in terms of how like I thought it was a fine scene. But just how like clearly like this is a first pass at writing all this dialogue was the the scene where the the dweeby guy. I don't remember his name mm-hmm. is is trying to hit on those that girl. Oh, yeah. And she's like, no. I don't date guys like you. You're a loser. Like the way she's talking is so on the nose and obtuse or not obtuse. It's just so on the nose and like nobody talks like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I like the idea of that scene. And then, but then Reese Witherspoon walks over and is like, cause, and it has some fun dialogue. Like Reese Witherspoon's dialogue is pretty fun in that moment where she's talking about, she's like, you, you, 
we, we, we spent one night together, and then you leave me after giving me the most pleasure I've ever had in my entire life, or whatever she's, you know, it's like, this, and like, her stuff's good, and who knows how much of that is the script, and how much of that is her kind of amping that up, but, um, but that, like, that scene in particular, it's like, just take one more pass of the dialogue, because it's all so cheesy, and just, like, nobody yeah. speaks like this, but the scene itself is, like, a good scene. It, ugh. And I uh, felt that yeah. way a lot. Oh, I think there's a couple factors here. One, like I said, the source material. Yeah. Two, 2001. Yeah, yeah, sure. And also, like, the type of movie made yeah. in 2001. Right. Like, the romantic comedy trick flick. Yeah. 2001. Yeah. I think the thing that bothers me the most about it is how good some elements of the movie are and mm-hmm. how how sort of nuanced and deep like like I mentioned uh, specifically like Elle's character is and I like I will say I think a lot of that is their performance. But I love the and 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 just and I'll get to it more in the uh, when we get to like odds and ends later. Um, but just the way her character is written and sort of some of the themes of the movie I thought were handled really well, really deftly and and felt very ahead of its time. But then some of the so much of the dialogue felt so of its time and so like just bad that it was this weird clash of like, mm-hmm. oh, this is really good, but also terrible. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm thinking back to because we talked about the writers yeah. in the prequel episode who also wrote Ella Enchanted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who, which, which remember there was the line in that movie where the prince literally says, you're not like other girls. Yeah. Like, but they also wrote 10 Things I Hate About You, which was one of my favorite movies. Yeah. So I wonder if maybe one of them is a remarkably stronger writer it could be that it could also be i wouldn't be surprised if this is the kind of movie that gets a lot of like there's other like a lot of writing writers room treatment mm-hmm. like they these two wrote like the script quote unquote like the, the main yeah. two writers that we talked about in the prequel wrote like the script but then it goes through punch ups and rewrites and blah mm-hmm. blah blah and who knows how much of the dialogue that they actually wrote yeah that's you know a what i point. mean to where like sort of the the heart and soul of like the characters and the themes from their script are still there but maybe some of the dialogue got you know was, they yeah was written by by a, by like, a writer's yeah. room of like of like bad or late nineties comics or whatever you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah. that that maybe that's truly because that also feels very true for like Ellen Enchanted yeah. where it's like very clearly they, they brought in, in their their sitcom team yeah they brought in their their their, their early sitcom yeah, team yeah yeah really and, and said turn this script into Shrek and they're like okay and we'll try and they fail like you know and so that wouldn't surprise me if maybe that's what's going on here I'd yeah. be really interested to know like to hear like an interview with the writers you know a a 10-year retrospective or whatever and see if that's like if they felt like oh yeah 40 percent of our script was what was anyways 10 year we're going on 20 year now well i just meant yeah it it, i know we are now i'm just saying if they had done like a retrospective 10 years after the movie or whatever just i would be really interested to see uh sort of what how much of their original script they felt was translated to the screen because like i like i said i not to go on i just think that there's there's some such so many sort of uh good elements mixed with just truly terrible trash i'm just like ah it's weird does 
so Elle gets uh, finds out there's going to be a party, and she's missed parties. And uh, this is Vivian's character, uh, Selma Blair's character, uh, is like, "Oh yeah, we're having a party. It's a costume party. You should come." And then Elle shows up to the costume party, uh, dressed as a Playboy bunny, uh, and it's not a costume party, but she owns it. Is that in the book? No, uh, she does go to a costume party in the book. But it's Halloween, so it's, so it's actually, just actually it's a actually costume a costume party. party. She She's dressed. just the only one there who's dressed like sexy. Oh, okay. I actually liked that scene in the movie. I thought it was like again the way she sort of it's one of that actually had and we'll talk about it later, but that that had this my single favorite scene, I think, in the whole movie, potentially. Uh, and I, I'll have a note about it later that we'll talk about. Um, but uh, I really like I again. We'll talk. I have notes. I would. I want to talk. I could talk about uh, Reese Witherspoon's performance in this performance in this movie like forever. I think I was just, like truly blown away by how good it was. Um, and I, I've seen her in other stuff, and she's a great actress. But I was like, yeah, you're out. This is like the like the, the movie version of out kicking your coverage. Like <laughs> they're just like really. <laughs> This this movie did not deserve this performance, but <laughs> does Elle pretend to be a lawyer uh, and BS legal terms uh, for her friend Paulette? Because that's a fun scene. No, that's not in the book. So, like, because in the movie she goes, "Is Paulette in the book?" I didn't um, ask that. Not no. There okay. there is a a nail salon technician. Yeah. Um, who's like kind of her friend, but she's like a tertiary character in the book that just shows up every yeah. once in a while. They don't like have a relationship. Gotcha. But yeah, so Paulette uh, uh, in the movie um, is the the nail technician, and they 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 spark up a friendship and become like good friends. And she tells her Elle about the fact that her ex husband, uh, who's kind of mistreated her, stole or basically kicked her out and took her dog. Yeah. And uh, Elle says, we're going to go get your dog back. And she, uh, Paulette tries to confront the guy and get her dog back. But she, you know, she, she's having trouble. And Elle shows up and pretends to be her lawyer and like law talks her yeah. out of it. And it's a fun scene because it's very early in her legal training. So mm-hmm. she knows very little. She knows like a few words. And it's it's a very funny scene. And uh, I, I thought it was I felt like it was a movie edition, probably just because I thought that Paulette probably wasn't like a main character or didn't because I knew the we'll get there. But I had a feeling it was a movie edition, but I thought it was a pretty, pretty fun movie edition. I liked that. Yeah. Scene. So sort of the big climax of the film, the big uh, plot line that we get to eventually is the the defense case for the uh, the, the trainer that Elle knows um, who's accused of murdering her husband. Does L get onto that defense team for that case? Uh, because in the movie, she she gets an internship through her law professor, uh, Professor uh, Callahan, I believe mm-hmm. is his name, um, played by the guy from Titanic. <laughs> that one, the ship designer, I think, from Titanic, oh, who dies by st- he's staring at the he's staring at the clock in the like ballroom, and then like all the the tip. The ship tips and like all the water comes through and he dies. No, I, don't, I, don't I feel remember like I remember that. that scene. I'm pretty sure that's the same guy. I know he's in Titanic. I, I think feel it's like a... I've only seen the same like ten scenes. Every from time Titanic we out of order. That movie's on all the time, and we'll randomly turn it on, and it's always the same ten minutes of the yeah. movie that we see for whatever yeah. reason. But um, it's always before the ship starts sinking. But does she get that internship? Uh, is that how that is? Yes, that what goes on? she okay. has that internship. It's the same case. 
Um, it's just not through one of her professors. Oh, okay. It's through like a local law firm that takes on interns from the school. So it, it's the same thing. They just gave the connection of the of, main yeah. lawyer being her professor yes. as opposed to just. Oh, okay. That makes sense. This is a famous line from the movie. Uh, you posted a, a meme of it uh, earlier in the week. I just want to know if it's from the book. L in def- uh, when she's trying to de- early on in the defense of uh, Brooke's character, she says, "Exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. Happy people don't shoot their husbands." Is that in the book? No, it's not. On the book, movie edition. Yeah. There you go. It's also bullshit, but. <laughs> Happy people shoot people all the time. There's some logic going on there, though. There, I mean, she's it's sure. wrong logic, but she is logicking. Sure, sure, she is logicking. It's just terrible logic. <laughs> so, I mean, like people who exercise murder people all the time. <laughs> it's pretty common. Uh, we talked about this in a prequel, but I just wanted to ask it here in the main episode so we didn't miss it because it's a famous scene. Uh, and we had to, you know, get it concrete in the was that in the book segment, the bend and snap scene. No, not in the book, not in the book. This is I knew this, but I had to put it in here. Like I said, uh, we talked about it in the prequel that this was a late night drunken at a bar uh, scene. The scene was uh, born late night at a bar between the two writers of this script. Uh, when they wanted to add a, a, a second, when they were coming up with a B-plot for Paulette's character with the, the UPS guy, and they came up with the idea of the bend and snap. Uh, and uh, so it's a movie edition only. Yeah. Not a book. There you go. I feel like that would be a nightmare to like describe in a book like what the bend and snap yeah. is. Yeah. How would you even do it? It would I just wouldn't. sound ridiculous. It, it looks ridiculous it in the does. movie, but we'll talk about yeah, it more. Yeah, we talk about that more later. So in the movie, Brooke's alibi for not murdering her husband. She has an alibi, but she doesn't want to tell anybody because she is a trainer, but she does eventually tell Elle is that she did she couldn't murder her husband because she was getting liposuction that day, but she can't. nobody can know this because it will ruin her career as a trainer if people know that she gets liposuction and so L won't tell the defense team what the alibi is. Is that in the book? No. Um, but Brooke does have a different alibi that she's keeping secret. Do we find book. it out? Yes. Can we talk about that eventually? Because I hated that in the movie. Yeah, we'll talk about it. I, I think it was maybe my least favorite thing. I really liked the idea of it. The idea of, the of of Brooke confiding in L and L not breaking her trust and mm-hmm. t- like I just didn't like that the thing that it was was that the trainer was getting liposuction and she doesn't want her career to be ruined. It's like to me it should have been or if they what they could have done with it is if if that was the reason fine but then ultimately the alibi does come out and somehow the trainer turns that into a positive for her career and sort of exp- and, and and transforms her image as a personal trainer into something more positive and less toxic to women potentially mm-hmm. if she comes out and goes yeah even i deal with body issues and 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 don't you know what i mean like even i, I like i get liposuction because i i work super hard and it does, still doesn't you know i don't feel great all the time at how i feel and but like i felt like there was some way it felt like they just kind of brushed under the rug in the film the idea that like Oh, she's she's a trainer and uh, potentially leading to 
um, sort of uh, unattainable body image issues for women. And she even admits that it is unattainable. But the movie never addresses the fact that her unattainable body standards are like a negative thing that should be addressed. It just kind of goes like, do you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like the the movie goes, she says like, Oh, you think this butt is just like, I can just exercise and get this. No, or whatever. But the movie then just keeps that all a secret and never addresses the fact that this is like a weird toxic thing Mm -hmm. and just kind of goes, eh, no need to worry about that. And that felt like a, a, a cheat to me. It's a missed opportunity. Is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and again, it's 2001. I just, yeah. it felt like, like I wish that Elle's, because I liked the idea of Elle's sort of keeping this secret and it being this, 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 this like, because of the, the way it relates with Vivian's character and how Vivian starts to respect her because of Elle's sort of, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, she's, Vivian even says it in the film. She says it's very, she's not classy, but something like that. Um, that that L won't give up, won't tell them the secret, even though it would benefit her greatly. Like it's yeah. very selfless of her to hold on to this secret for this other person. Um, and I, I like the dynamic that it plays between L and Vivian, and between L and and Brooke's character, and sort of the overall arch, the overarching themes of the movie of lifting up other women and that sort of thing. Like I liked all of that. I just wish the secret wasn't this weird toxic gross thing like this Mm -hmm. weird thing i you know i don't know anyways i i it's disappointing so i want to hear what it is in the book because if it's like a better maybe less problematic secret that would be cool maybe it's not i don't know we'll see does uh, so in the i forgot i had this question in the case there's a pool i think he's a pool boy he works for he works for the for brooke uh and uh, the dead husband um and he accuses on the stand, he accuses um, Brooke of having of that. He says that he and Brooke were having an affair, and this sort of lends credence to the idea that Brooke murdered her husband because you know she was having this affair with this other guy, and like to kind of cast aspersions on her character type of thing. But L figures out during the trial that that can't be happening because she she's at the drinking fountain, and this character comes up to her and uh, knows what her shoes are. So she, by the power of her Sherlock powers, deduces that this character is in fact gay and thus can't be, have have can't have been having an affair uh, with, with Brooke because uh, as we know, bi people don't exist. Um, <laughs> but, and oh, but anyways, she basically cracks the case through the power of stereotypes in this case by being like, gay guys know about shoes. This guy's gay. Boom! Nailed it. He's not dating her. He's a liar. Is that in the? Is any of that in the book? <laughs> no, because it's like real. Okay. No, and it never not. goes anywhere really. Yeah. Like it's not important. Yeah. Like I guess the idea is that he was somehow keeping the secret for the when we find out the daughter killed him. Like maybe mm-hmm. he was somehow new or wasn't. Like why was he lying about that? I I feel like I don't remember exactly what the whole situation was of like why he would lie about that. I think it was that he, like the daughter was somehow. Yeah, paying him or something maybe to uh, lie yeah potentially in the book there are like a couple of other people who just like don't like Brooke 
who like testify that she's like hard to work with yeah. and like a pain to be around. Um, so maybe they wanted like some element of that of like somebody else in her life who's kind of like out to get her, so right. to speak. Um, but yeah, in the movie, it doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, I felt anything. like it didn't go anywhere, and it just felt like, oh, cool. Yeah, great. There's a lot of problematic yeah, elements a, to this. A little, lot to unpack to this little like vignette here that didn't really need to be in the movie. It was one of those moments that didn't because a lot of the movie I thought aged pretty well. That was one of those like that little yeah. vignette. I was like, didn't age particularly well as a whole. Uh, ultimately, does Brooke uh, Taylor Wyndham is her full name? I now remember looking at my notes. Does she ultimately fire her her lawyer who doesn't believe that she's innocent? Uh, well, in the movie, there's a lot that goes into it, but uh, that that lawyer ends up being a creep to L, and then L is going to quit being a lawyer, uh, but then is talked out of it by one of her other law professors, and then uh, Luke Wilson's character, who also works for the creepy lawyer. Uh, talks to her and he's like oh he was and she's like he was a creep and he's like oh really oh shit and then that Luke Wilson's character tells Brooke what happened and then Brooke ends up firing the creepy lawyer and hiring Elle and Luke Wilson to represent her is that what happens in the movie no (laughs) so does Elle just like does it just kind of play out it just keeps going as it was in the film like with the main lawyer and Elle being like on the team or whatever and then and then I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it okay. later. <laughs> okay, we'll get to that later, but she does not fire her lawyer in Tyrell. No. Okay. Is the thing that ultimately cracks the case in the film, what it is, is Linda Cardellini's character, the daughter of Brooke, uh, not the, uh, the stepdaughter of Brooke, the daughter of the dead, the dead man, um, is the one who killed, spoiler twist, is the one who killed the husband, her mm-hmm. dad, Linda Cardellini's dad. Um, which I called from the first second I saw Linda Cardellini in this film on the stand. I was like, well, she's clearly the killer, which is that thing you do on like CSI and NCI or like any of those shows where like you're watching and then there's a character and it's an actor or an actress you recognize and they're playing like a random bit part in this thing. You're like, well, clearly they didn't get Linda Cardellini to be in like 30 seconds of this like and, and not that she was a huge star at this point but she had been in a few things yeah at this point in her career and it's like she wouldn't be like an like basically like a two-line extra in this movie she's gonna have a bigger role and so yeah she's we find out she's the, she accidentally murdered her dad trying to kill brooke at the end of the movie Elle figures all of this out and the way she figures it out is that she's questioning Linda Carlini's character who says she was in the shower at the time her dad was murdered, washing her hair. And then Elle questions her a little bit more, and it turns out that she says she had gotten a perm earlier that day, and even I, it seems like Elle's the only person in this entire courtroom who knows this, but even I knew you don't wash your hair after you get a perm. <laughs> but I was like, why is, it seems like Elle's literally the only person who, like. I, I mean, sure, maybe. I always got the vibe that she was the first person you thought to ask her what she had done earlier that day. No, I agree. But after she asks her, there's not like a wave through the courtroom. You know what yeah. I mean? When she said like, because yeah. to me, like when when she's like, oh, I was washing my hair. And like as as Elle starts unpacking it and going, so you were washing, you were washing your hair. But you said earlier you got a perm and blah, blah, blah. It's not until the and I get the drama of the moment in the film. It's not until Elle gets her whole big line out where she's like. And, and you're not allowed to wash your hair because it ruins the blank, the blank, blank, blank. And somebody would know, like, she has her big moment. And then everybody's like, <gasps> and it's like, but 
everybody should have been like, <gasps> as soon as she was like, and I was in the shower washing my hair right after I got a perm. Like, I was like, oh, well, you can't do that. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, anyways, it's not important. It's just any. Yeah. So uh, is that is the perm in the shower? The big reveal? Yes. The big twist? Like, yeah. oh, okay. that's the big thing. The lie. The lie. She catches her in. Fantastic. A couple more questions. Uh, is Does then, after being caught in the lie, does uh, Chutney, which is apparently her name, does Chutney have a dramatic courtroom confession and, and said, oh, I did kill him, but it was an accident. I was trying to kill her. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Drama. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's one way you could be surprised in court if you catch somebody in a lie yeah. and then they confess yeah it's it doesn't ever happen but sure <laughs> i'm just saying yeah. and then the movie just ra- <laughs> i love that after that in the movie just like the, the, yeah. the immediately the judge is like uh take her into custody your case is dismissed let's get out of here i that got judge, dinner plans yeah, right. she was hungry she's ready for lunch <laughs> yeah she like wraps that up in like 30 <laughs> seconds i was like i don't know i'm pretty sure that's not how that would okay <laughs> um and then finally, uh, in the movie, uh, we like I said, in the Breakfast Club close, we get uh, a little title that says that L and Emmett, who is Luke Wilson's character, the uh, other male lawyer who was on the defense team, they well, there was a couple, but he was the main one. Um, they uh, they end up they had been dating for several years, and they get engaged. Do they get engaged in the book? Um, Emmett who is Luke Wilson's character, is actually not in the book. Oh. Um, There is some hint of possible future romance with the lawyer that Elle is working with in the book, whose name was Michael, I believe. So that's the equivalent, though. Yeah, that's kind of sort of the equivalent. Um, They don't have as much of an obvious, like, romance as it is in the movie. Yeah. They have, like, a flirtation. Gotcha. Okay. Well, there you go. Those are my questions. I think I covered everything that people would want to know. There probably was a couple other lines that I missed because I'm not as well versed in this movie as mm-hmm. maybe somebody should be for this part. But anyways, let's go ahead and talk about what was better in the book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. I think the the book digs a little more into how L is actually pretty good at like the kind of word puzzles and logic puzzles that you have to do for the LSATs. Yeah, they kind um, of gloss over the LSATs. Yeah. The, the movie shows her studying a lot, which yeah. I think is good. They just kind of montage. Like, yeah, the they kind of montage all the studying and they show her like kind of working her way up to the score that she wants. Um, whereas in the book... I think she does some studying, but then she takes the LSATs and she's like, oh, well, these like logic puzzles section, that was actually really easy. Yeah. Because I do all like this and this and that in my daily life. And this is like a cakewalk. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Um, As far as like portraying Elle as actually being intelligent um, and like 
capable. Yeah. I think the book and the movie kind of tie. It's kind of six and one half a dozen of the other. Yeah. Um, they just maybe do it in different ways. Yeah, they do it in different ways. Something that I thought was interesting in the book was that when Elle does get onto Brooke Wyndham's case, her background as like like her social circles and her ability to navigate that in LA actually gives her like a huge advantage yeah. in that case over like all of the other interns. So I thought that was something interesting. I think they tried to show that in the movie but didn't do a very good job. Like I yeah. think they tried to like cuz she's like, "Oh, I know her." Like like cuz you know, she like mm-hmm. she was also in her sorority not at the same time, but they were in a, the same sorority. And, uh, you know, she was her trainer and that sort of thing. And so, like, I think they try to get to the, the implication that, like, but we never see her interacting a lot with other people from that yeah. same type of circle that would maybe make sense. Yeah. In a way that would, yeah. I think they try to, like, make allusions to it in the movie. I just don't think they did a very yeah, good job. Yeah, I thought that was something interesting in the book that she's able to, like, go out and be smart and savvy enough to get information that the others just wouldn't even think to go get yeah yeah i I think the movie tried i think they did it a little but maybe could have been a little bit better yeah um i love the what the movie does with Elle's friendship with paulette and then her eventual friendship with vivian um i did kind of miss the character of eugenia i thought they had like a nice relationship in the movie where they kind of help each other through their classes in the book or yeah in the book sorry Um, There is a chapter in the book that I thought was kind of funny. Um, The book has uh, a a contested will for um, Hayworth, the old millionaire or whatever. The guy who got murdered. murdered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So there's a contested will plot point in the book um, where uh, this guy, in an attempt to be romantic, writes in his will that he's leaving everything to his most beautiful wife, (laughs) meaning Brooke. But he doesn't actually name her, so there's a chapter where there's this lineup of, like, eight ex-wives all, like, vulturing for his fortune. <laughs> like, they come out and like, they swoop in to prove that they're the most beautiful ex-wife. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was kind of funny. Um, I think they're... It, it's, it feels a bit like a fairy tale moment type yeah. of thing or something. Yeah, I think there was maybe potential there yeah for a good scene yeah um, it definitely is one of those things that you would cut pretty quick early in the yeah. process if you're trying to trim your movie down because it's not really essential to the plot but yeah it could have been a fun scene yeah the murder case is the more exciting thing but yeah I, I and it's not it's it. not that's not remotely relevant to l i guess no. is the more important yeah. thing and that's the focus of the movie so the pool boy scene for a silly movie it results in kind of a fun scene yeah. Where they're, like, questioning him. Yeah. But... <sighs> Gay guys, no designers. Yeah. It's oh of its time. Yeah. And then, like, they out him as gay. Yeah. He gets outed. Yep. Which is not cool. No. And then... And, like, and that's what discredits him. Yeah. And, like, I know, like, technically it's because, like, oh, he lied. Right. Blah, blah, blah. But also kind of being gay is yeah. what discredits him, which yeah. is gross. Yeah. Um, so that's something that really ages the movie in a very unflattering way. I agree. Yeah, that whole scene, I was like, oof. Yeah. No. It's a, it's a bit of an oof yeah, scene. Yeah, it's a yikes. A yikers. Uh, it's not great. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it is... I guess there was going to be something, because yeah. the rest of the movie, like, a, a lot of it is, like you've said, uh, kind of ahead of its time. 
Um, it's kind of like accidentally woke. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. 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 At times. Yeah. But but I mean yeah, and especially for like two thousand one. Oh, it's for kind sure. Of for like ac- like yeah. accidentally woke. Yeah. But this this scene is it's no, it's not it's good, an oof. and it's it's unnecessary. Like that's the other thing is that I think you could absolutely not. I think you could absolutely just chop it out of the movie mm-hmm. and you. It wouldn't affect anything. Yeah, like like the plot could still play out yeah. exactly the same. So I mean, I think the only thing potentially that it does is give L like another moment. Yeah, of like it's figuring a, something. No, out. No, it does, but, but I don't need another one when it, it's yeah. that. <laughs> like yeah. it doesn't it doesn't need to be her stereo. Like I said earlier, like she wins by stereotyping this gay guy. It's like okay, yeah. all right, well, cool, great. The way that Elle ends up being able to question Chutney in the movie, I think is it's more fun. It's more dramatic. Like Brooke coming in being like, You're fired. Right. And then they like let her stand as counsel even though she's like a first year law student. Yeah. Which wouldn't happen. No, it would. We talked about but, it. I um, think it would. But not like it does in the not movie. Not like it does in not the movie. Not like it does in the no, movie. Not like it does in the movie. Um, so it's more fun. It's more dramatic. Uh, it doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Um, what happens in the book is not as dramatic and exciting. Um, but the the lawyer that she's working with, um, she has that aha moment where she realizes that Chutney's lying, and she's like, "Can I please ask her a few questions?" Yeah. And the lawyer's like, "Sure." Yeah. We're gonna lose this case. What's yeah. the worst that could happen? Yeah. And then she tricks her into revealing that she's lied. Yeah. Well, there you go. All right, cool. That was what was better in the book. Let's go ahead and talk about what was better in the movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. So something that I really love about this movie is that it overall takes such a sincere and positive approach to Elle and to her friends and, like, even the sorority. Like, everyone is so supportive of her and she's so positive and kind. Like, in the book, her friends from the sorority are kind of mean. Yeah. Like, they're not very supportive of her decision to go and do this. Yeah, and see, and that's... And that's something that I really enjoyed about the movie was just, like, the sincerity and the positivity that they decided to go with, where, like, they absolutely could have gone with her friends are mean girls and they are just constantly trying to get her to come back home and give up. It would have absolutely been the way that that 95% of writers, especially at the time, would have written this script. And it's one of the things, it's, it's, it was literally my favorite thing about the movie. I have like eight different notes about it in my eyes. I, I do. I think it's something that makes this movie really special. No, it really does. I think it's the single best thing about this movie yeah. is, and, and I, 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 like, I have notes about it, like I said, like four different times in my odds and ends part that I, and this is as good a time to talk about it as any, but it's just the, the whole thing, like you said, even with the sorority and everything and their relationship is so delightful. Uh, but specifically, Elle Woods's positivity is so infectious and so sincere and so ahead of its time yeah. for a 2001 film. Oh, it definitely is something that elevates it over 
its cinematic peers. Well, and and, and the, the thing, time, yeah, and and the thing is that it's. I almost don't even know how a movie like that would have gotten made in two thousand and one because it is the antithesis of whatever almost everything that was considered comedy at the time. Yeah, was which was pure like cynicism yeah and nihilism and very and, like, crass crass too cool for school like like it, your south park and mm-hmm. your your where it's it's this super cynical sort of uh like i said nihilistic view on the world where it's funny because nothing matters mm-hmm. and because like all of our favorite like comedy characters at the time were like these super cynical like Seinfeld or yeah. something you know that's more mid 90s but the, the 90s were full of those kind of uh characters where the fact that they didn't care about anything is what made them cool and funny mm-hmm. and L is the exact polar opposite in yeah. such a refreshing way that it is completely delightful and it adds so much heart to this film that it's stunning that it exists like no i agree (laughs) because at the time too even if you had a character that was anything similar to l it was like a saccharine right satirized pollyanna and everybody else kind of shits on him l woods is literally leslie nope 10 years before she existed kind of yeah like a very different version of leslie nope but that that same sort of just like everything people love about Leslie Nope about how smart she is and how much she cares and and uh just how sincere and pure and happy she is and how supportive she is of everybody and it 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 it, it reminded me a lot of like yeah everything every, what you love about Leslie Nope as a person and it's so strange because and it is such an inversion of what you would expect from this role yeah cuz you would expect a dumb girl a mean girl. Yeah. And even if you, even if like the whole point, even in a script where the whole point is, oh, the she's smarter than she seems. And, and like, she's not, you know, she's not the ditzy blonde that you expected. There's still a way to do this movie that is just as cynical and weird and yeah. gross as, and, and I, I, there's like elements of mean girls and stuff that I like that. I, it's a pretty, it's a fun movie and that sort of thing. But like, I think there's a way to write this movie that, that is, that is, <laughs> that has almost the exact same theme about like not uh, assumptions and, and about like the sort of girl power, like her finding her worth that is still incredibly mean and demeaning to like, to the main character, n- not and... to the main character, to the other female characters in the oh, movie. Oh yeah. No, I agree. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like what, what I, what you would expect from this is she, I think the thing that is most refreshing ab- about the film is that she finds her self worth and 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 becomes self-possessed and becomes this incredibly competent person without taking anybody else down to mm-hmm. do it other than people who deserve it like like literally like people who are like like and it's just not like she takes you know like the creepy lawyer who like hits on her yeah like but but like even the antagonists of this film like Selma Blair's character and 
And it's my favorite story. It's my favorite like sort of B plot of the movie is their relationship. Like her and Selma Blair's relationship is so nuanced and layered and like well written. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where you can very clearly tell this was written by women. Like the like the the nuance to their relationship and the way it grows and changes and, and morphs over the course of the film is so sincere and wonderful that just again it's like how does this how is this in this movie with these uh, with other things in this movie like it's so strange but i i could not get over how just charmed i was by by the sincerity of elle woods's character (laughs) like i yeah (laughs) i also love like something that i love about her relationship with paulette too and the way that the movie handles that is that paulette is the exact kind of character that a lesser movie would have really shit on yeah, without like she's literal trailer trash. Yeah, they would have shit on in a way that, because that's I I can't put it into words how the movie makes jokes about its characters without ever demeaning the characters. Yeah, like because because there are jokes at the expense of Paulette's character. Like, like, you know, like how she's clumsy and like you, mm-hmm. when she breaks the guy's nose and about how she's kind of kind of different looking like they, you know, it's not like the movie completely ignores all of that, but it constantly finds a way to make the, to to make it clear that God, I'm doing a terrible job of explaining. It's such a nuanced thing that it's like really hard to sign the kind of like explain what it is about the way it portrays all of these characters that is just so per again it it reminds me of something like parks and rec or something where you where you laugh at the characters at times but it's it's never a mean-spirited yeah. thing yeah no i agree i don't know yeah i i i couldn't like i said i i could talk it for hours about yeah. elwood's character it's, it's a type of writing that i really admire yeah that i wish i knew how to do yeah. And, and I think part of it, I will say, like I said, because I think it all hinges around Elle's character. And I think that it maybe I think that that is completely dependent upon the performance that Reese Witherspoon gives in this. I think it mm-hmm. would lots of other actresses doing this role. I, I don't know. But I'm sure there are plenty of people that could do it. But if you didn't get the exact type of performance that you got from Reese Witherspoon in this movie. It wouldn't have worked at all. Like, I, I yeah. think there's just so much that's fair. nuance to the way she portrays Elle and so much subtlety to, like, the layers of Elle that, that that in every single scene where she goes through different elements of where she she's that ditzy, bubbly, sort of naive person on the surface, but instantly sort of falls back into a much more reflective, introspective person is just fascinating and like yeah it's just deserved to be nominated for a golden globe for this one. like i should have been nominated for an academy award for this probably but um in my opinion but it uh yeah anyways all right i'll stop gushing <laughs> um so we talked about the scene where l uh checks the salesperson at the beginning of the movie um i liked that i thought it was a good way to show right off the bat that she is smart that she is capable yeah um, a little hint at her future lawyering, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was smart of the movie to change the venue. 
I think part of that was that, didn't we talk about that they couldn't get permission from Stanford? Yeah, Stanford said no. Yeah. Um, but uh, changing it to Harvard, I think, makes sense. Obviously, both are impressive schools, but Harvard is like the recognizable, yeah. impressive law school. Yeah, it's like, the oh, law school. Harvard. Everybody knows what Harvard, Harvard is. Harvard Law. Um, I think it also makes sense to move Elle from the West Coast to the East Coast and really make her like a fish out of water. Yeah. Like take her out of her element. Yeah. Even more so than law school takes her out of her element. Yeah. Um, the costume party we talked a little bit about. Uh, she does go to a costume party in the book, but it's not the same scene. I love that she shows up with her Playboy Bunny costume and stays very strong. Yeah. Does not break. Does not break. Hands it right back to everyone it's who's fantastic. there to make fun of her. It's fantastic. That line to Selma Blair was great in that moment because I, again that's the other thing is like it's not like she doesn't give it to people when they yeah. deserve it like that line to selma blair and is, selma blair's <laughs> character absolutely deserved it yeah that's what i mean in like, that moment in that moment she did. she did and you know she's like oh i see you came dressed up as the same frigid bitch you always do or whatever or something like that it's a great line and the delivery is great and yeah in that moment she deserved that oh something else that i love about this movie is that l realizes way earlier in the story that Warner is not worth her time and she really starts applying herself um, to this profession and sets out to prove everyone wrong. Um, we spend so much time on the I want to get back with Warner Ugh, plot gross. in the book and yeah. it's gross and I hated it. <laughs> I hated every minute of it. I was like, why? Why? you want this guy yeah why do you want him so bad yeah he's a dick he's the worst he's he is the worst yeah um her friendship with paulette i've talked a lot about so i won't go back over that i did love the scene where she helps her get her dog back yeah it's really <clears throat> sweet um not that we didn't already like l but it was like it's a scene that really endears you yeah. to Elle and who she is and the lengths that she's willing to go to for her friends. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Brooke's alibi. I have like my initial notes here. I totally agree with what you said earlier. Okay. For the record. In the movie, it's liposuction. In the book... Her secret alibi is that she is addicted to the home, the home shopping network. And she goes, she's part of like a 12-step program. And she won't reveal the identities of the people who are in this secret 12-step program with her. Oh. Which. Uh, yeah, that's not. It's not. Like, I agree with what you said about, like, it being her alibi being liposuction and that all could have been handled better and they could have really made a good, like, point with that. Yeah. I don't think it's a point that they would have made in 2001. I mean, I mean based on so much else in the movie, I think they, I, I don't think it was outside the realm of possibility based on Fair sort enough. of the other. Fair enough. The other sort of, like, positivity and, like. I think maybe if this movie were being made now. Yeah. They could have definitely gone that route right. or maybe picked something else altogether. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I'm I'm going to call the movie's version of it better for a couple reasons. Okay. 
I think that it being liposuction relates more to Brooke's character. For sure, yeah. Than her having, like, a random addiction to, like, calling the phone line and buying random shit off of the home shopping network. For sure. That's Um, a dumb, yeah. I also thought that the book approached that the issue of addiction, which regardless of the addiction is serious. Yeah. I thought they approached it in a way that was maybe not great. Yeah. And I wonder if the movie could have done better. Maybe it could have. Maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. Not. I thought that like I thought that the the book kind of made light of it in a way that was not particularly flattering. Yeah. So it just sounds like maybe they both just yeah I think, neither of them were a particularly good way to go about yeah doing this um and you know considering what it could have been in the movie I would maybe make the assessment that maybe it is better to just kind of oh it's this thing but we're not really going to talk about it and we're going to focus more on the fact that like Elle is being very selfless and noble and right. not divulging the secret right. Yeah, I, I mean, the movie, the one thing in the movie's favor that it does do is that it has a, she has a line that she already lost her husband, she doesn't want to lose her career. And I yeah. get that, and I think that that's the only thing that sort of saved it for me in terms of, like, Elle really identifying with that and, and wanting to go to bat for her because of that. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I thought that kind of worked. I just, again, I think the movie, I, I think the movie was close. I think if they just would have taken it a little further and had any sort of commentary on the fact of what her career is and the way it affects other women. Yeah. And like they try to a couple times, but they never go anywhere. Like there's another good line where Emmett has a line where he says like, you know, Brooke where they're driving somewhere and he has a line about how he's like, he says like, Oh, I think it's really bad. You know, I don't, I think it, I don't, he says something along the lines of like, he doesn't like how Brooke makes women feel fat or mm-hmm. something like that. And Elle's like, what? No, she, she would never do that. Like she goes, you know, she's like her opinion of what Brooke is, is that she isn't sort of that. Basically the movie's trying to tell us, no, 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 Brooke isn't one of those people who makes women feel ashamed of their bodies and that sort of thing. Yeah. Like she, she is, she's, she's a sort of like the positive version of a train, like, cause mm-hmm. there was a, absolutely a positive way to be a personal yeah. trainer, yeah. you know, absolutely. Like, and to be uh, somebody who encourages people to get healthy and all that sort of thing. There's a very, uh, absolutely very positive ways to do that. And so I think the movie's trying to go for that's what she is. It's just, we never, ever like it. It also feels like the movie occasionally is like, but some of the characters are like, well, but it seems like maybe she's not that way. And then like, it just felt like it was just, again, all just kind of shoved under the rug in a way that was unsatisfying to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but. No, I, I, I agree that it for sure could have been handled yeah. better. Yeah. But it sounds and, like the book yeah. wasn't also wasn't particularly no, that was, good. No, wasn't so. particularly great. <laughs> okay. Cool. Oh, the friend friendship build between Elle and Vivian we talked about. Um, I loved that. I also loved Vivian's realization that Warner is an ass. Yes. Um, I loved that we could like see the moment that she realized, like, oh, yeah, this yeah, guy's the, an ass. Yeah, it's in the uh, it's in the the 
the law office when mm-hmm. Elle won't give up the alibi and Warner's just like, just do it. Who cares about her? Yeah. Like, blah, blah, blah. And, and you see uh, Vivian in the background looking at him like, oh, what the, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Yeah. What a dick. Yeah. Um, I also liked kind of the the slow build to Elle's relationship with Emmett. Yeah. I liked that the movie didn't just like dive right into that, um, especially that a big point of the movie is her realizing that she doesn't need Warner. Yeah. So I liked that they didn't just like automatically immediately give her another another guy another guy yeah. to lean on. Yeah. Um I thought it was uh, been pretty realistic yeah. too. Yeah, it the felt... way that it was handled. Yep. My last note here, uh this movie has way more to say about women and feminism and the relationships between women yeah. than the book does. Yeah. Like, way more. Well, the, the movie has a ton to say about it. And it was, yeah. again, we talked about it a, a little bit already, but it was one of my favorite things about the movie. It was just how real that all felt. Yeah. And, like, again, a bit ahead of its time for mm-hmm. 2001. And, for like, sure. the another thing that it does for the story is give it acts. Like the the creepy professor hitting on her, and then um, Vivian being like, "Oh, I knew it," and not supporting her gives yeah. us like a second act low point. Yeah. Whereas the book doesn't have acts; it yeah. doesn't really have like kind of much of a solid plot. Really, yeah. We're just kind of like following her through her first year of law school, and then like through this case, right. Whereas the movie is more structured, yeah, like is more movie. structured, and it, it takes it takes those themes and the things that it has to say and uses them to help construct a structured three act plot. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was great, and we'll talk a little bit about it more here in a second. All right, let's talk about a few things the movie nailed. As I expected, practically perfect in every way. Uh, so the movie nails the basic premise. Um, the idea that Elle is following Warner to law school because she wants him to see her as serious, a Jackie, and not a Marilyn. Yep. Um, Warner taking Elle out to a nice restaurant and then swiftly pulling the rug out from under her like a psychopath. Yeah, straight up psycho. Straight out of the book. That guy would murder. That guy, hundred percent. In the whatever the sequels are, he murders his wife. Yeah. 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 And then L is the prosecuting attorney. <laughs> that's what should happen in one of the. That should be the third movie. But we'll get to my sequel here shortly. Um, L's pink scented resume was an element that was in the book. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I should have asked about that. My bad. Good job on that one because I should have asked about that. Um, we talked about how um, in the courtroom, Elle realizes that Chutney is lying, and then she catches her in that lie, and it, it is the same lie yep. um, about the perm. So that is straight out of the book. Um, the movie also nails something really specific about the tone. The, the, the book and the movie really had this in common, where like at times you're kind of asking yourself, like, is this satire? Are we satirizing something here? Yeah, I guess that's my problem with it is... But, like, you're never quite sure. And I that was a lot of the problem that I had with the writing in the book. Like, there were a lot of moments where I was like, are we, are we aiming for satire here, or is this just bad writing? 
I think it's, I don't know. I think it's just bad writing because I, I see what you're saying. Uh, I see what you're saying when it, in terms of the movie, but to me, I, if you ask me that, is this are we are we doing satire here? I would be able would not be able to tell you what the hell we're satirizing. Yeah, like what what those sort of terrible writing is and terrible dialogue. Like what is it's not to me. It doesn't. It doesn't ring true as satire because one, I don't know what it's, it would be satirizing, yeah. and two, it doesn't feel, um, it doesn't feel obvious enough. Like it. it no, I, and I guess, the, the, to be totally fair, the book could be satirizing like chiclet. Yeah, and I haven't read enough chiclet to really, like, really know for sure that like, oh, we're satirizing like this typical element, right? Of, but. And it could be like you could argue that maybe the 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 movie satirizing like some sort of like romantic comedies, but it doesn't to me it doesn't feel that way because it no. doesn't feel like a send up of tropes. No, it it because it it is a send up in tropes in the sense that it's a complete antithesis of what you would expect character wise, and and it's it's sort of a send up of of expectations of femininity in general but I that's not that satire I, that's just a good critique of yeah media. well and, like, and, then, that's and just, to that point i wouldn't call it a send-up it's just like yeah, and it's sorry. just like send an inversion right yes yeah it's not a send-up i yeah it to me it's 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 just a well done it's yeah it's well done trope inversion it's not a send-up or really a satire. satire no it's it's just taking something and, and spinning it around in a way that you're not expecting and and doing it really well and sincerely which isn't what satire yeah. necessarily is it can be i think i guess you could do it but it, yeah i don't i don't think it's satire i think it's just bad writing some of it and, and then really mixed with really brilliant writing yeah. so like, I don't so know. like <laughs> what do we make of this yeah <laughs> Um, so I, I did say earlier that the movie had a lot more to say than the book did, a lot of more like important messages, um, and that's true. But one thing that the book and movie have in common is that they both edged really, really close to another um, message um, or like conclusion, but I don't think either one really got there. Yeah, which is that L isn't being discriminated against for being blonde but for being very outwardly feminine. Yeah. Um, and now let me be clear, there is no right way to be feminine. And I mean that in like a sincere gender is a construct yeah. kind of way. Yeah. But I also mean that in the way of like, um, no matter what you do, someone is going to be mad at you for <laughs> yeah. not doing it right. Um, and in, in this situation where she is at Harvard Law, she is most definitely doing femininity quote unquote wrong. Yeah. According to the gatekeepers who yeah. are there. Yeah. And that's what that's where she's getting that friction from. Yeah. It's not because she's it's blonde. It's not because she's blonde. It's because she's doing feminine wrong. Yeah. Uh, I uh, yeah, I agree. And it's 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 also what I love about the movie is that it it's aware of that. It's commenting on that. But I think that at heart is what the movie's getting at, but it couches it in the idea of the, yeah. you know what I mean, of the, the blonde and the that sort of thing. Um, See, for me, I don't think either the book or the movie quite hit that one out of the park. I, I agree. I don't think it hits it out of the park. I think the other thing that 
it sounds like probably neither of them comment on it. Any the movie does zero commenting on it, uh, and I think it's an important element to include, at least to maybe potentially touch upon in some. Uh, <laughs> let me bring my leftist critique into this. Um, I think it would have been a, a, a relevant and important thing to touch upon in some way over the course of the film. Uh, the fact that L comes from an immense place of privilege. Mm-hmm. And now there's some sort of satirical jabs at that. Maybe it's not, I don't know if satirical jabs is the right word, but there's some allusions and sort of uh, some jokes made about it with her father. Who's always has his martini. Like when she tells him they want to go to law school and he's like, you're pretty and smart or, and, mm-hmm. and uh, not boring and not serious. You know, we don't go to law. Like you don't need to go to school, you, you know? Um, but there's this there's zero commentary on her privilege at all yeah and now that's not the point of the movie but there i think there's a way to incorporate not only her wealth but her it's also a very white movie mm-hmm. <laughs> um and there's zero touching on any of that and now the point isn't that stuff and i and i think it's fair to say that this movie is is a is a very uh, important and and um concise discussion on femininity and that sort of thing and that's fine and not every movie has to be everything i just think that there was potentially could have been some sort of illusion or discussion illusion to your discussion of uh her class her 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 privilege in mm-hmm. a way that would also cause her that would also uh, sort of help round out the the message of the film. I agree, um, and that is uh, that's another thing that I think. Like, if this movie were being made now, yeah, that would probably be an element. I think yeah. we could, I think we could probably achieve that through Paulette's character. Yeah, yeah. Um, because if you're at Harvard, everyone's privileged. Yeah. Um. Right. So we would need we would need a character like Paulette. Yeah. To help comment on that potentially, yeah, and and I think the movie kind of tries to do it with Paulette a little bit, but mm-hmm. like it doesn't really say anything. Um, I, I yeah, I just think there's a way to go to incorporate a little bit of that in there. Basically, what I'm looking for is a little bit of perspective for L to sort of um, just round out her perspective on the world, yeah, in a way to where it it, it sort of. Um, makes her recognize her privilege while mm-hmm. also dealing doesn't just because you're privileged doesn't mean you don't have problems and don't have uh you're not oppressed in other ways and that sort of thing yeah. you know what i mean um uh, yeah it's uh and I, you know now that i think about it i think could have done that through the plot line with paulette's ex-husband and the dog because I feel like they could have easily had, like, oh, Paulette presents this problem, and Ella's like, oh, well, why don't you just blah, 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 blah. Yeah. However, she would handle it as a wealthy, privileged person. Yes. And then Paulette, like, uh, that's not an yeah. option for me. Yeah. And then Elle learns from that and uses yeah. her privilege to go and help her right. friend. Yes. The movie doesn't really do that. No. But it could have. But it could have, and I think that would have uh, been a, another thing. Because yeah. it just feels, it's one of those things that it's just, because it's not ever touched upon, it just feels like a complete blind spot. And it's, you know, it's, it, and, and in, in the year 2020, 
uh, we like our uh, we like our feminism to be intersectional as well yeah. as our classism as well as our everything as well as we should as well as we should if yeah if you're uh, if you're <laughs> if your classism isn't intersectional it's dog shit so and same for everything if it's not intersectional it's fucking bullshit it doesn't mean anything it doesn't mean anything so uh, intersect them uh, things. things have intersections yeah, things intersect that's the that's the point <laughs> all right uh, odds and ends. Um, I only have a couple. We've talked about most of mine at time uh, okay. throughout the course of this. Uh, once again, Reese Witherspoon is like super, really good in this. I wanted to talk about it. The one scene that was maybe my favorite scene, two favorite scenes in the whole movie. One is the, at the Halloween or at the the costume party, quote unquote, when she confronts Warner. That scene when she is talking to Warner. And realizes and she says, like, oh, I'll never be good enough for you. Mm-hmm. Give her the Oscar for that scene. Like, literally just that scene. The way she plays that scene is, it, I was like, whoa, that's way too good for this movie. <laughs> like, that, her her performance in that scene is way too good for this movie. <laughs> um, and then my other absolute favorite scene was when uh, Selma Blair's character comes into her room and they have that moment um it's after it's after the after the scene we talked about earlier well some where uh Vivian Selma Blair's character uh realizes that Warner's kind of an asshole yeah and they have that bonding moment yeah um in in like Elle's uh dorm room or whatever and Elle gives her the dog and they're like hanging out the the way that scene is acted the way it's written everything about that scene is so good it's so freaking good i was i was like like, again, I just it's moments like that throughout the film mm-hmm. that I just was not expecting that really blew me away. And then there's for every one of those, there was yeah. like two of and that, that the other scene in scenes. particular too. I have to hand it to Selma Blair. Oh yeah, she as was well. real, the vulnerability the, in that yes, scene. Yes, the vulnerability, yeah. and you could tell that she was like kind of starved for that supportive yeah. female relationship. Yeah. Yeah, the layers to that scene, I think, would go over so many. I don't want to say it would go over a lot of people's head. I, that's not fair. I'm just saying I think there's so many layers to that scene that uh, that scene you could write a thesis, not a thesis, but you know, you could write a paper on that scene alone and dissect the layers and the performances in it forever. Like you, yeah. could, you could do a 30 minute video essay just about that scene. Like it's that good. And like you said, there's so many layers to each of their performances. And the dynamics uh, of everything that has led up to those moments and, and, and their vulnerabilities with each other. It's it's just really, really good. Okay, so I got to talk about... <laughs> I got to talk about my sequel. So here's my sequel. It's like, if the sequel to this movie, and this is after that scene we just talked about uh, with Selma Blair and Reese Witherspoon, the sequel to this movie isn't Reese Wither- of Witherspoon and Selma Blair as a lesbian power couple running a pro bono criminal defense law firm that primarily represents disenfranchised women, we burn it down. Like, that has to be the sequel to this um, movie. That is not the sequel. That's garbage. That, but I bet this exists in the world this, of fan fiction. This fanfic has to exist. There's no way this fanfic doesn't exist. Um, and I misspoke when I said lesbian power couple. I should have said bi power couple. My bad. Um, <laughs> because they're both very clearly also attracted to men. But there is a dynamic between them in that scene that also yes. feels beyond just the, it's like charged. Yes, it is charged. 
And I was like, how that has to be where this goes. That has to be where this goes. Uh, and, and that makes perfect sense. They're both lawyers. They run their high power. Uh, and they like literally just, uh, it's the perfect sequel. But I, I, I read the, the synopsis of the sequel and yeah. it sounds garbage. And I know. <laughs> sounds so bad. <laughs> Make that movie, Hollywood. Come on. I'm sure it exists in the world of fanfic. Yeah. Oh, fan, yeah. Fanfic I thought is, that while is I was... the way of writing all of the wrongs done yeah. to us by corporate media. I thought about that as I was writing that. I was like, oh, this fanfic exists for sure. Yeah. For sure, this fanfic exists. I'm sure in multiple iterations. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, also, so uh, the moment where, uh, and I got to be, I'll be uh, careful what I say here because the person I'm talking about is potentially litigious. But if you're. <laughs> Uh, not that he would ever hear this or she, that person would ever hear this. Um, the, the, uh, the, so the scene where uh, the lawyer, the creepy professor, law professor hits on Selma Blair. Mm-hmm. He's the uh, uh, the defense, uh, the very popular uh, or the very famous, uh, well-known uh, criminal defense lawyer, uh, professor at Harvard, uh, who turns out that he's kind of a creep. I wonder who that's based on. Just leave that there. <laughs> if you're a person who pays attention to law things or the current events or listens to opening arguments, <laughs> just say that that may or may not have been uh, one of Andrew Torres's, Torres's former law professors that that was based on. That's all we'll say. <laughs> Maybe not. Couldn't. Probably not. Probably not that person. Won't say who it is. Uh, a few people will find that very funny. That's all I'll say. All right, let's do it. Final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. So the book wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. There were some definite novice writer things happening. Um, main character describes herself while looking in a mirror people's eyes being compared to gemstones, etc. Um, but the initial awfulness that I mentioned in the prequel episode kind of leveled out some yeah. after the first 10 or so chapters. Or maybe I just got used to it. Yeah. We'll never know. <laughs> um, but I'm going to have to give this one to the movie. Uh, the book had some occasional entertaining moments, but the movie was overall more consistently charming and fun. The movie also had a much better message um, in the commentary on women trying to make it in male-dominated fields and the need for women to be supportive of other women in all situations, yeah. but especially in situations like this one. Absolutely. Uh, I agree. I, 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 I kind of loved this movie. I love hate relationship, but I loved a very much about this movie uh, as we've discussed at length. Um, so yeah, are cool. you glad we did this one? I am. I am. I'm very happy we watched that movie. Like I said, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly, and uh, I realized I'm in love with Reese Witherspoon. So <laughs> that was a thing I didn't know about me, <laughs> or at least her in this movie. I don't know about in general, but uh, so. As always, you can do us a giant favor and support us on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash this film is lit. Support us for two, five, or fifteen dollars a month. If you support us for fifteen dollars a month, you get priority recommendations, which we've done several of those already. Uh Mortal Engines was one. 
uh skipping christmas was one uh the the christmas with the cranks there was one other one i think that i don't remember um not yet we've got a couple coming we've got a couple coming up before too long that are also recommendations but if you support us for 15 dollars a month you get your recommendations early up on the list two and five dollars you get different things two dollars is ad free and early access five dollars is access to ad free early access and bonus content which we're going to be getting back to now so don't worry people i know it's coming uh and then 15 you get all that stuff plus uh or a priority recommendation uh, if you can't support us, you can do us a big favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star review and a rating. That would be super great, uh, or whatever thing you listen to us on. I think iTunes is the main one for ratings and reviews, but mm-hmm. if you can do it anywhere else, do it there. You can also leave us a review like on our Facebook page. Yeah, That's you can go to, nice yeah, yeah, yeah. if you want to leave us a five-star review on Facebook. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, all those places, all of our social media. Uh, you can keep up with all the memes Katie posts uh, and all that good fun stuff. Um, Katie, what's next? Up next, we are continuing with the theme of badass ladies. And it was we, International Women's Day like two days ago. I know. So, yeah. On the short day. The short day. Where we lost an hour. <laughs> yeah. Let's not talk about it. Nope. Um, but it is, uh, it's, it's a Women's History Month. Yeah. Um, so we're continuing with that theme and we are going to be doing Hidden Figures. Nice. This is a movie I wanted to watch for a long time yeah. and never saw. Yeah, uh, me too. I'm excited about it. I've heard good things mm-hmm. in general. Um, I it's uh, yeah, I've heard good things in general. I don't know about the book. I I, I know the book came out like right at the same time as the movie. Um, the but... book is a uh, nonfiction. Yeah. So well, I mean the be... movies essentially. Don't. Well, yeah, yeah, but kind of. It's like a fictionalized yes. account of. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, it should be interesting. It should be fun. I. It's a very f- cool story that I know a little bit about just from I'm in the science and they. Uh, one of the podcasts I love and listen to a lot, Skeptics Guide to the Universe, talked about uh, this movie at length when it came out. And I've actually, it's funny because I've been re-listening to their back catalog and they literally, I just listened to the episode where they reviewed this movie like two days ago or something like that. So the timing is pretty funny. But um, uh, yeah, it seems like a, a, a fantastic movie. Uh, the main actresses in it. We'll talk about all that stuff in the prequel. But yeah, uh, Hidden Figures, two weeks' time. If you want to hear us talk about Hidden Figures, you can come back and listen then. And until that time, guys, gals, non-binary, and everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And, and keep, keep being, being awesome. awesome. Be like Elle Woods. Every day. She made me want to be a better person, Katie. <laughs> Not even kidding. It's like, man, find yourself an Elle Woods in your life. You, everybody needs an L Woods in their life. I don't know why I'm doing Bernie Sanders hand motions right now, but I am. <laughs> <laughs>